Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. I'm looking for... This is a wave your hands, isn't it, Mum? And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's not started yet. Have some patience. Mexican wave. Get your phone out. Get your phone out, your lights. We did that, Ed Sheeran. We had all the lights going. And the drifters. Not quite the same. You can tell when we go quiet because we don't when know do the words. When do I join in? When you know the words. I only know. I still haven't found what I'm looking oh, for. Oh, well, that's the bit we're waiting for, isn't it? Because that's the only bit and I know I as well. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. We're not there yet. We're still not there. God, if you was a bloke, you'd be very into premature ejaculation, wouldn't you? He just did it then. He did it then. He did it then. Oh my god. That was a disaster. You too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, pop picker. Sort of. <laughs> um, and there was a very funny piece in the Daily Mail this week by Jan Moyer. And she said she went to the one man show of Bono where he talks about his memoir and sings some songs, all very a cappella. And she said, Bono, if you still haven't found what you're looking for, what hope the rest of us? <laughs> and we're going to have more on Bono later in the programme, pop pickers. More on Bono later in the programme. And I went to Dublin and I stayed in his hotel. Which that means they've still got to keep listening. They can't abandon us at this stage. They're going to have to listen. Stay with us, pop pickers. There's more on Bono later. No more singing, though. The singing's done. I got into hot water with his wife and his daughter. <laughs> I said to his daughter, does your dad wear sunglasses at breakfast? And she said, yes, he does. No. <laughs> I love that. Well, <laughs> there was a piece in the Daily Mail this week by Katie Hind, who I love dearly. Hello, Katie. Fellow award winner. But she got promoted when she won an award. I didn't. You got zero, didn't you? Zero. Zero. She wrote that she fancies Matt Hancock and he's buff and entertaining and witty. Is she looking at the same person that I'm looking at? Is there a different Matt He Hancock? reminds me of a hamster. Well, buff is probably going... I mean, I know we've all got different... I mean, you and Marcus wearing for a start. I know we've all got different taste, but buff? Buff? Really? See, there's an old journalistic cliche, and we did this when I was at the Evening Standard. A really ugly man is on telly, and you persuade a writer to pretend they fancy him. So when I was on the Evening Standard, um, what was his name? Marcus Waring. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Waring is buff. He's not. Very <laughs> beautiful blue eyes. Make you dinner. 
No, I'm not that. Even Andrew Marr got a television series. So we phoned up all the female writers and said, do you fancy Andrew Marr? And they said no. And so then I phoned up Rachel Cook or someone, and she's an enemy of mine. I said, do you want £500? Yeah. Do you fancy Andrew Marr? No, but I'll write that I do for £500. It's an old journalistic cliche. Ugly man on telly. You get a lovely young journalist to say she fancies him. No. No, Katie, no, 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 drop it, drop it. Read the room. No. no, read the room, no. And there was a very good piece by Deborah in the Times today. I love Deborah, she's my friend. If ever I want a book reviewed, I send it to her. And she says, I've run out of any appetite for I'm a celebrity. Now everyone in the jungle is chummy with Matt who we're told is winning everyone round, generally, and a woman from another newspaper, Katie, Katie, says he's buff. That's so much worse than the singing. (laughs) Jesus, oh my God. And she fancies him now. What did I want? Total humiliation. Forgiveness for all or just some of the following. One, allowing hospitals to discharge elderly people with COVID into care homes. Two, not supplying adequate PPE. Three, awarding lucrative contracts to mates. Four, breaking his own rules. Five, betraying his wife and children. Do you know he woke a child up in the night and tell him he was leaving? And how could he have been sincere when he is simultaneously committing acts that are surely just as bad, like abandoning his parliamentary duties or saying he couldn't help the affair because I just fell in love, which must have been like a knife to his wife's heart and his children I so feel for them going to school with this playing out nightly must be horrifically mortifying says Deborah I'll tell you what I wouldn't get on the wrong side of her she's 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 wicked she's got a knife I love Deborah however I will say I've learned a heck of a lot about dyslexia yeah yeah let's what the bullshit do you know what I mean he went in for the money we all know he went in for the money. The dyslexia thing's right. We we know it's the money. If I, I did Big Brother for the, money, for the money. Just say it's for the money. I didn't want to leave my pets. No. But also, I took two weeks' holiday. I didn't, didn't just... I'm not paid by the taxpayer. There was another piece on Twitter today saying, well, Chris Moyles avoided tax and so-and-so from Coronation Street was done for drink driving and someone else run someone over Can I put it simply for everyone? They are not paid by the taxpayer to be a public servant. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out of there. They're not going to, though, are they? They're going to keep voting me. I think he is winning people around. He's he's, like a hamster. I think he is winning people around in there because he is being quite charming. He is being quite affable and he's the one that gets all the How charming is it? How buff are you? No, not buff. That my friend Dawn had to grieve her father dying at his funeral alone. Other people couldn't see their babies being born. Other people couldn't see their wife for 50 years dying and hold their hands. It's disgusting. I paid your salary, Hancock. You're not buff, you're a hamster. F*** off. And on that note... We return to the Zen Liz Jones podcast where we make the day <laughs> calm. Get him out of there. 
Oh, God. I think he'll be it kept in to suffer, I've got to be honest. Although they have stopped giving him all the trials now, haven't they? I've stopped watching it on protest. I'm instead watching Marcus Waring on, oh, on MasterChef. Dear. <gasps> God. Talking of chefs. Talking of chefs. We have been watching Mammals on Sky, which isn't about mammals, really. It's about James Corden playing a chef. Do you see how we segue? It, we led into that beautifully. Beautifully. Who's got this really hot French wife. We're just like Megan, you know. We practice that. We're just like Megan. We're polished. I've got my hair. <laughs> I'm standing in my knowing still. Still. No, you're sitting in your knowing now. You've, you've gone from standing to sitting. And his wife, he suspects of having an affair. And what I liked about this series, you didn't like it as much as me. What do you mean suspects? He was watching video of her licking someone's motorbike helmet. I think she was definitely having any affairs. But in Mammals, you see, I only watch things for handsome, handsome men and lovely locations. They live in this lovely London muse house. And you think, only Marcus Waring and Gordon Ramsay could afford that muse house. <laughs> How does he afford that muse house? How does he afford it? I always think, even if it's a fictional character, like you remember Ricky Gervais in Afterlife, he's a regional journalist, not national like Lizzie, no, Fleet, Fleet Street. I'm Fleet Street through and through. If you cut me in half, you'd see Fleet Street written through my kidneys. Like an oak tree. How did Ricky Gervais afford that lovely house that in Afterlife? You, didn't How did James Corden afford a London Muse house with this French woman? They've got a child. They go on holiday to Cornwall. You see, I love programs where you go on holiday to Cornwall. No, I love Cornwall. Because you can live vicariously. I love Doc Martin. I I literally was crying that they'd stop making Doc stop laughing. I was really upset. I like it a lot. <laughs> and I do think he's a very likable actor. But I think with all these people, yeah. and it's the same with the Bronte drama you wanted her to be sitting at her desk writing, which is what writers do. You want the chef to be in the kitchen cooking. But he's not. He's off on holiday in Cornwall. You think, well, who's ordering the haddock? Well, I think they have a life outside being a chef, you know. Well, I don't have a life outside doing what I do, innit? No, well, I know. We go everywhere and out comes the phone making a little note. <laughs> but it doesn't end well, does it? And doesn't I didn't really well. believe the ending. And if they'd employed me... A bit like Phoebe for James Bond. If they'd employed me to get some better lines in a better ending, it would have been better because I didn't like the ending. It wasn't plausible because you just think James Corden should be lucky to have this French woman as his wife and there's this lovely, lovely, lovely actor who was in The Fall. Jamie Dornan. Listen, Jamie Dornan. I think Jamie Dornan. No, no, he's the policeman that Gillian Anderson has an affair with and gets shot in the arm. Oh. It's not Jamie Dornan, he looks nothing like him. <laughs> got an Irish accent, that was close enough for me. Anyway, he's got this lovely actor from The Four who got shot in the arm and had sex with Gillian Anderson. <laughs> lucky Gillian. <laughs> lucky Gillian. Very lucky Gillian. He's lovely, isn't he? Oh, I wouldn't kick him out. I've got to be honest. Lovely dark hair. Yeah, no, I wouldn't kick him out. He could talk. To, he could talk to me. It's the voice. I love. I love an Irish accent. But if you want some nice locations, watch Mammals. But tell me whether or not you agree with the ending because I don't think it's feasible. I didn't really like any of it. 
because James Corden is carrying a little bit too much weight to do what he did. <laughs> what, you mean run? <laughs> Shag. <laughs> I've also been watching White Lotus because it has this fantastic actress in it. Oh, my God. She is one of the best actresses in the entire world. Are you Googling who it is? Jennifer <laughs> Coolidge. And she plays this sort of ageing alcoholic. I can relate to that. <laughs> She's had all this surgery done and she was absolutely brilliant in Sex and City. Because you're a fetus, you haven't watched it. I haven't. Jennifer Coolidge is amazing she's absolutely amazing and she's just this aging alcoholic with lots of money and she just spends her time going to expensive hotels lovely i was gonna say it's no part of this that doesn't work for me and so it's far, it's really a drama about the rich people who stay at the hotels and the staff so the racism they don't see the staff as people um the impossible demands and the final episode of the first series of White Lotus, and there's series two at the moment, which is set in Sicily. And the first one is set in Hawaii. The last episode is probably the most shocking thing I've ever seen on TV. If it shocks you, I'm a bit worried because I've read your book. It gives me hope the book will be published. I can't believe it's as dirty as your book. I can't. I learned things out of that book that I didn't want to know. But the last episode of White Lotus Season 1 is an education. And it really makes me want to not leave my suitcase open in my room. <sighs> I'm trying to work out what on earth happened. Watch White Lotus. I think I'm just going to skip to the last episode. If I'm you can't now. afford a holiday, it's like going on holiday. Is it? See, yeah. that's what I like. I, 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 Italy, I want to go to Italy, I have to say. I'd like to go to Sicily. No, well, Venice I quite fancy at the moment. It's a bit busy, isn't it, Venice? Yeah, I could shove myself on a gondola and float around the canals. I get flashbacks okay. when you talk about Venice. I thought, oh, God, the Venice trip. Because that wasn't very good, was it? No, I landed at Venice Airport. I'd never been there before. It was the middle of the night. I had to go and review the... Damien Hirsch show the next door. They hadn't got me a ticket. I was dressed as Beyonce. And I didn't know how to get to my hotel using a boat. So I had my earpiece in. We were, we were channeling 24, copy that. Yeah, I was Kiefer Sutherland. You were doing it in real time. <laughs> I was doing it in real time. Take the next left. No, 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 the left. Right, right, get in the boat. So I get off at the boat at the, my hotel at like one in the morning. They stopped doing food. See, I think hotels should do food 24-7. Stop doing food. Because when you go on holiday, you go out for the evening, you come home at 2 o'clock in the morning, having had a few too many, you want some chips or something. Stop doing food. No, I I, I saw the Catherine Hepburn Venice film the other day, summer holiday or something, where Catherine Hepburn goes and meets a lovely Italian man. Have you seen The Tourist with Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp? long time ago it's literally the worst film ever made literally the worst film ever made but it's got johnny depp in so it doesn't matter but well, you've I'm... you've seen the new harry styles film haven't you i have i have seen it um called my policeman on amazon Prime. is he a policeman he is he's the policeman is I'd he quite, gay i'd quite like him to be my policeman i have gay? to say wears uniform well 
Well, it's set in the 1950s. Again. In the, I love 1950s films. Yeah, but who so. keeps doing it? No, he does actually. It's just, Yeah, it is the same. But it's this time it's in London and Brighton with a little bit in Venice, which has made me long for Venice. It's a fantastic film, actually. It's He's a policeman. He meets a girl who's Emma Corrin, who is absolutely brilliant in it. She was Diana in The Crown. And it is, you know, it's weird, isn't it? Because she played Diana. I see her. She's in a different film, in a different clothes, looking, but she's just Diana. It's like, to me, Orlando Bloom is always going to be the elf in The Hobbit. It's just all the, the people take, don't they, it from one film to the other and you can't help it. Orlando Bloom helped my friend in LA when she got burgled. You remember he went round and helped her. Oh, he could come round and help me any time. Oh, but you know, I'd like him to wear his well out elf outfit while he did it. Not my fault. Right, back to the. <laughs> I digress. I get, I get warm. Um, so yeah, so he meets this girl Emma, um, Corinne, who's who plays the part fantastic. They start dating. It's all very sweet, and then he meets a guy that wants to in an art gallery who wants to um draw him so he goes to be drawn draw harry draw draw harry or thomas is in this film but a little bit more than drawing goes on and there's lots of naked do you see harry's front bottom we don't see harry's front bottom but we see <gasps> i feel a little bit cheated there no we see we see a lot of his a lot of the rest of him though no it's, it's like it's like 50 shades you saw the bloody Everything. Don Johnson's daughter's nipples every five seconds, but if you were sucking on your on your coat, <laughs> you missed Jamie Dornan's penis. It's sucking gone. on your coat. <laughs> it was gone. Jamie Dornan's penis was there for five seconds. I missed it. Well, story of my life, Lise. Story of my life. I missed it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so there's a lot more going on. So he starts this affair with Matt, and I have to say. The, the sex scenes between him and um, the, the 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 man, um, art guy, I'm trying to think of what his name is, the guy that plays it, David Dawson, David Dawson, absolutely beautiful, tender, loving. You can see these guys are in love. The sex scenes are done so well, really well. Without the front bottom. Without the front bottom. But in, you, and in Venice, you do get that thing, standing naked at the window, having a cigarette. Um, from the back. Yes. It's always from the back, though, isn't it, but with he, man? He looks not ever... in White Lotus. Looked... Not in White Lotus. Oh, okay. If you want the front bottom, watch White Lotus. But it's not attractive, Liz. No, but it's interesting, isn't it's it? It's not attractive, though. You it can give you a laugh. <laughs> That's probably not the most appropriate thing I have done that, though, laughed. Um, I've got I've gone all back bottom now. and. <laughs> 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 so anyway, yes, the sex scenes are beautifully done. The whole film's beautifully done. It's beautifully written. I've, I've seen a couple of reviews that said it's quite slow, but the the slow pace suits the film. Do, do you know what I mean? Because it, what you find with this film is it starts off on sort of quite a high level and it all looks very simple. And then as the film goes through, you get these little jigsaw bits that, that fill in the story and you realise things that you... That comes quite a surprise in some cases. What Harry's front bottom? No, we don't get that. We back away from the front bottom. We don't. it a front bottom anyway? Who? Co- I mean, I can't do average. Who did do average? Oh God! Do you want to hear this week's column? Go on. What's this week's column? 
Sunday afternoon, I get an email. Da, it's, da, da. it's from him. <gasps> White <one>? pepper. <laughs> My heart sank too. Oh dear. You know, the man who last time I saw him meant I was stuck with a £150 dinner bill and told my hearing aids were annoying when they whistle. Do you know what, though? It's your own fault. It's your own fault. You blocked him and he didn't stay blocked. I've got no sympathy. It's your own fault. But you were supposed to block him. You're my IT department. You still didn't have to flip him well respond. It's your own fault. I don't know how he can still get through given my IT department, (laughs) Nicola, blocked him. There was a little no-entry sign on his email. Should I open it? No, he's blocked. It's a link to something on YouTube. I open it. It's a George Harrison tribute concert from 2004. Prince is playing, and I'm reminded of how much I love him. Prince, not White Pepper Guy. Thank God. So small and mischievous. God, I was so in love with Prince. I I mean, I liked Prince a lot. But I didn't find him fanciable. <gasps> oh, he's just beautiful, beautiful eyelashes, beautiful green eyes, beautiful skin, <sighs> beautiful hands. <gasps> We're never going to have a cat fight over a bloke, are we? Never, never, ever, ever. Anyway, I'm tempted to reply, having watched the George Harrison tribute video, <gasps> and say, oh, isn't Danny Harrison, George's son, just like his father? But what's the point in opening a dialogue? No point. I'm relieved he didn't send a link to the rock star who's a bit high profile at the moment. White Pepper Guy was obsessed with him. If I texted him to say, oh, the rock star is on television, usually the one show, even I don't do the one show, (laughs) he'd reply frantic. Tell me, please, which channel? Which channel? Which channel? If only he knew. I'm in a period of uncertainty this week. What's new, I hear you ask? I should hear later this week, after 10 months of uncertainty, whether or not I'm allowed to offer on the cottage I'm currently renting, given it hasn't been sold. Yesterday, I was sat writing a piece about a book called Women Who Love Too Much. That's me, apparently. We choose unreliable losers and try to change them with our bossy superiority. When Gracie started to gag, she then collapsed on her side, eyes flickering, bladder emptying in an undignified pool. She's like her mummy, isn't she? Like mummy. Yeah, we'll have to get you some of the nappy things. And the medication. And the medication. (laughs) She has not been herself. Every evening, she goes to the top of the stairs to stand and bark. She will only come down with a biscuit, then promptly returns to the top again. I don't know if she's training me or is confused. As Meryl Street would say, it's complicated. I rent the paddocks and the horses with the, and I rent the paddocks and the stables for the horses from the person next door, and she has first dibs on my cottage. Unfortunately, my mortgage offer has A now expired after more than six months, so it would have to be sourced all over again with bank statements, accounts, etc. 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 Stress tests. You're stressed. I'm stressed. B, the interest rate, which was 4%, fixed for five years back in the summer, will now be around 8%. Double, my repayments will be double. Variable. As I was made bankrupt, rates for me are much higher for, rates for me are much higher than, you know, someone who didn't buy their sister a cottage and never heard from her again. The movie star who offered to lend me money emailed last week to ask her how it was all going. For fuck's sake, she said when I told her, just get on with it. 
I wonder what it says about my life that a film star wants to know when I'm okay, but no one in my family bothers to inquire. You might say, well, just cut your losses from having renovated the cottage and buy elsewhere. But I'd never be able to cope with my horses if I didn't live on site. I'm back and forth six times a day, up at dawn, last check at 11pm. As I work at my day job, I keep an eye on them from my window, just as well. On Saturdays, I was picking up acorns again. Bloody acorns. I never want to see acorn again, ever. A strange man climbed over the lock gate of the field and walked towards me. I grabbed four collies. Is this the way to Richmond, he said. No, I said, it's over the bridge. This is private. I'm a human being, he said, continuing to walk past me. You're going the wrong way, I told you. You didn't tell me, you told my twin, he said. God help us. If your dogs come anywhere near me, I will kill them. He was hanging around later in the churchyard. Nick called the police, but they never turned up. Now, that wasn't very good, was it? I mean, we're a very small place. The police station's down the road. It would have been nice if those had turned up, I have to say. Did they ever get back to you when you no, called them? no. Never got back to me. And I said that he was being, like, really sort of threatening and threatening the dogs. He threatened me, threatened you, threatened the dogs. And, no, didn't turn up. So, thanks very much. So, the policeman I like is the one in the film, not the real ones. We should have had Harry, shouldn't we? We should have had Harry. He'd have turned up. You see, everyone thinks that the countryside is this sort of idyll and you're safe. But I used to live in Hackney for 11 years, and I lived in the same street that Tony Blair lived in before he lived, moved to Islington. And only when I bought my house did I find out that my street was the highest street in Europe for knife point crime. Yeah. But actually, I felt safer in Hackney than I do in the countryside. No, I always used to walk around Leighton. I mean, and we had estates and there was always a murder board at the Tesco's down the end of the road and never occurred to me. I walked home, you know, late at night, never, never bothered me at all. But I have here, I mean, like, for instance, in this situation, we're in a very secluded area. There was no one around, no one, no houses to see what's going on. If someone turns nasty, you've really not got anything you've not got any backup at all it's it's it wasn't very pleasant at all was it look at when they stole the, someone stole the quad bike yeah i'd yeah. seen these two guys loitering but nothing was done about it no no and the worst thing about that is it was done sort of quite you know sort of mid-evening wasn't it, it wasn't done too late at night it wasn't done in the middle of the night no because i found all the gates of the fields open at quarter past nine yeah, at night exactly the horses could have got onto the main road yeah and that was our concern, isn't it? Things are replaceable. You know, obviously you don't want them stolen because you've worked really, really hard to buy them. And it's soul-destroying when they're stolen. But things are replaceable. But our horses, they are not replaceable. Do you know what I mean? Don't the people the who stole the quad bike and left the gate wide open, I remember finding the gate open because I always patrol the fields quite late at night. And I found it and I said, the gate to the small field is open. And I said, I don't know whether Swirly and Jack are still in there. And I'm walking there with the puppies and I'm calling you and I fall over Minnie and I go, Minnie! Yeah. Uh, oh, I found them, I found them, I found them. I came it's, flying down in my nightdress, didn't I? Absolutely. And she's got teddies on her nightdress. <laughs> I did have teddies on her nightdress. <laughs> <laughs> my femme fatale days are well and truly past it. <laughs>
You can read this week's story in full in Mail on Sunday's You magazine. So you promised to get to Bono, didn't you? When she's smirking, that means she's up to something. I start getting concerned. <laughs> oh, no. She's activated. <laughs> when does he start the right bit? <laughs> Very long introduction. Help me in. Two, three. <laughs> you really need to pick songs you know the words to. I do. Haven't found <laughs> what I'm looking for. If anyone could see you doing like your chicken dance at the moment, you're doing like a rooster dance. So we are going back in time da, da, da. to 2007. I went to Dublin. I want to go to Dublin. I've never been to Dublin. It's like Paris, but I'm without really, French people. I really want to go to Dublin. To interview Bono's wife, Ali Hewson. The reason I went to interview her was because she's got she had this new eco-friendly organic fashion company. So I went to interview her in Dublin. The mistake I made was I took my husband. He's not very good out of his locality. Oh, bless him. So we get to Dublin and I said, look, I'm going to go and interview Bono and Ali Hewson. And we stayed in Bono's hotel. We didn't get a discount. We stayed in Bono's hotel. I said, you amuse yourself. I'm going to go and interview these rock stars. I'm sorry, you're saying to your husband, the serial cheater, you amuse yourself. Well, I thought he'd go around the <laughs> shops, buy me a present. I won't risk it. But when I got back... From interviewing Mrs. Bono and his and the daughter, he was in bed. He hadn't explored Dublin because he spilt his drink on his trousers and he didn't bring a spare pair. Oh, bless him! So he was in bed with no trousers. Oh, bless! He was just waiting for you, Liz. Waiting, waiting for your return. But it's strange because he was so. It was funny because he was so sort of cocky. and he was very resentful. I was going off to meet Mrs. Bono and Bono's daughter. And Bono's sunglasses in Bono's hotel. He sort of was very jealous, but he wasn't brave enough to just explore Dublin on his own. It was quite strange. That's quite sweet, really, though, isn't it? That's quite endearing. No, but I was like his mother. Oh. Oh, it's just that he was waiting for you so you could experience it together. See, I'm a romantic at heart, an optimistic romantic. This is 2007. It's very topical, this piece, because Bono's memoir's just out. It's top of the bestseller list. So he's on stage, singing, reading his memoir. The audiobook is him talking as well. It's a very nice Irish accent. Really? You can pretend it's Jamie Dornan. I do like it when people do their own audiobooks. Yeah, I did mine. You did yours. I did mine, didn't it? But there was lots of collies involved with mine, wasn't there? Wrestling. Anyway, I have lunch with Ali Hewson, the wife of Bono, lead singer of Irish rock band U2, at the Clarence Hotel in Dublin, which her husband is also one of the owners. The eldest daughter, Jordan, enters. At 15, she's already very beautiful and has huge blue eyes. His father's Ali Chance, 
Who's ever seen Bella's eyes? I've never seen his eyes. He's always wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I've never seen his eyes. Anyway, she continues. I remember the life. very first time I saw Bono on stage and all I saw was his eyes. How did she see his eyes? He wears sunglasses. And they were lit up. They were electrifying. I asked Jordan if having a father named Bono, Ali calls him B, is sometimes awkward. Does he wear those dark glasses that devour his face for breakfast? She bursts out laughing. No, Jordan replies. Bono's a bit boring, but sometimes when he drives me to school, he just wears his bathrobe and puts some music on for blast. Boyfriends, tell the truth, I don't have a boyfriend yet, so he thinks I'm a real letdown, she says. Ali and Bono live in the Dublin suburb of Killiney, and they have four children. In addition to Jordan, there are Eve, Elijah and John. We have also had two dogs and a rock band, jokes Ali, who was terrified of being late for our interview because the children's nanny was sick. She had taken her children to school in her husband's Maserati. Do you remember that twerp I dated had some Maserati? I do. And when he turned up up for, for lunch, he said, did you hear the roar of the Maserati as I arrived for lunch? And I said, no, I didn't turn my hearing aids up. Yeah, he was a letdown, wasn't he? Anyway, Ali had raced to our interview to Dublin in the snow. Bono was in Mexico preparing and rehearsing for U2's US tour. The whole family and guardians will join him this month. He calls incessantly, according to Ali. He wrote the sweetest thing when he missed his birthday. That's always gone, Jordan says. Elijah will never say goodbye to anyone, Ellie points out. He just goes down the stairs and looks at them until they're gone. It's so sad and cute at the same time. I think it's rude, adds Jordan. She invested herself body and soul in 1983 to an association called Chernobyl Children in order to raise funds for the children who were victims of radiation and even directed a documentary for which she was nothing less than an Oscar winner. She's the godmother of a child she met in Ukraine while she was there. Once Ali left the children with her husband in order to drive an ambulance to Belarus. She's an amazing woman, you know, his wife. In 2002, Ali campaigned for the closure of Sellafield, a nuclear plant across the Irish Sea in Cumbria. Ali, who at the time of this interview is 42, has a porcelain complexion, rosy cheeks and the hair of jays. And she prefers to be more subdued, which is why the couple still live in the city where they grew up and why, why they try to make their children understand how lucky they are. We took the children with us to villages in South Africa, Ali says. We don't spoil them. The very first time I went to Ethiopia 20 years ago was with Bono for Band-Aid. We slept in a tent for five weeks. I wouldn't do that. We saw children dying around us. And when we returned to Dublin, we found this pile of provisions in the supermarket shopping. There was something obscene about it. Ali has just launched an etiquette laundry line and was never the typical wife of a rock star. She's completely the opposite. The only jewel she wears, apart from her wedding ring, is a simple pearl necklace, a gift from Bono, but which she hides under her black polo shirt. While Bono's career took off in 1987 with the release of his album The Joshua Tree, making his rock group the biggest in the world, Ali was taking courses in science at a university. Jordan was born two weeks before my partials, she underlines. Ali was photographed in Sarajevo, and El Salvador, but it was by no means the band-aid of 20 years ago that gave Bono a political conscience. 
When we were at school, Bono and I talked about what was wrong with the world, she adds. We grew up hearing about famine. It's part of Irish heritage. She met Bono when she was 12. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, and they're still together. No, I love that. They went to the same school. And Bono was in the class just above hers. He really wanted to be a heartthrob and did his best to achieve it, she says. He came up to me one day and asked me if I knew where his class was. It was just a pathetic excuse to approach me. And I said to myself, I remember the fourth day of class. I saw him crossing the yard and he went, bing, this guy's for me. But we waited until we were 15 before we started dating. He was going to more or less be her only boyfriend. In 1982, Ali married Bono in Dublin in a dress made by his mother. Her parents were about to move in in order to be closer and be more with their grandchildren. They still have the same circle of childhood friends. U2 guitarist Edge lives just a mile away. Girlfriend of Larry, the brand's drummer, is his best friend from school. I'm starting to appreciate the music now, says Ali, but at first I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up listening to the records of Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. Isn't that lovely? They met them and they were just... 12, 13, 14, have been together ever since. That's the dream, really, isn't it? You meet, like, your soulmate and you're just happy together for for your whole life. But he's so unusual and that he became really successful and still hasn't found what he's looking for, but he's still married to Ali and she's so beautiful. She's she's like the girls in the cause, dark hair, porcelain skin... And their hotel's really nice. Square pillows. And they and, and they sound really nice people with a conscience and do good things. Yeah. That's a really sort of... That, that really, honestly, when you think about a life well lived, that is a life well lived, isn't it? Successful careers, love of your life, like, since you were 12, actually doing, you know, things that, that And matter. actually her... her Her ethical clothing brand, which is the reason I did the interview and went to Dublin and Nurple got stuff on his trousers she was trying to do the right thing yeah. with fashion pay people a proper wage and i said to her why don't you do jeans why don't you do denim and she said it's impossible to make ethical denim because the dye and everything and it gets into the right. water and it's almost impossible to do ethical den- denim All stuff that you would never ever think about it or know about isn't it yeah that's like that's incredible that sounds like a sort of perfect life. Dublin was lovely. I want to go to Dublin. I want to go to Dublin and I want to go to Venice. Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. you'd like to get in touch then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess letters letters we have had a huge response to your renting piece yes on monday i wrote a piece for the cover of inspire in the daily mail about renting in your 60s and by Monday afternoon, every TV station in the land called me asking for an interview. Yeah. And apparently it was the third most read piece in the entire newspaper. Still tipping me at the starting gates. 
Is that the correct term? I doubt it, but but we know what you mean. Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton. Kate, she's my nemesis. <laughs> Kate Middleton. If it wasn't for you, I'd be number two. Stay I think yours, number Kate. two was so it's Kate Middleton, Man Hancock, then me, and well, a collie. You're up there with the grades, and you. You've come after Matt Hancock. <laughs> well, we had lots and lo- we did have lots of response. And um, what was lovely is a lot of people just could completely relate to your situation. I mean, this is something that a lot of people are going through. But you had lots of places, uh, lots of people offering places to live. You've been offered a place from lovely Teresa in Western Supermare. Where is Western Supermare? It's on the coast. I love Where? Western Supermare. Where? Down, down south. It's a bit far, though, isn't it? It is a bit far, but I like Western Supermare. My mum's boyfriend's cousin's daughter got married in Western Supermare and we went for the wedding. Oh, God. That was lovely, lovely. (laughs) You've also been offered a place in Ireland and you've also had several people asking for details of the property because they're looking to invest and they'd buy it and you could live in it. Well, my movie star friend offered to buy it for me. So, like, you've just got all these people. So when you're whinging and moaning, as you often do, no one cares about me, no one does anything for me, you've literally had, like, half the country emailing and writing and saying that they, they will try and help you. My friend Lisa Ispani emailed me, and she owns an amazing fashion brand called Tallulah and Hope, and it's beautiful, beautiful sort of printed shirts and caftans and everything. And she said I should buy a plot of land and build a prefab home because you can buy these amazing houses, Germans. Oh, beautiful places. Just come and put them up immediately. Yeah, no, you can get these beautiful, beautiful, like, lodges and stuff. And they're literally, like, these walls they just put up on the roof. They put. It's unbelievable what they do. I've seen YouTube videos. But when it's German builders, they tidy up after themselves and they even vacuum their vans. There's a possibility. Think about it. And if that fails, if all else fails... Come on there. You've got Mike. 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 Who says, Hi, Liz, don't you worry. You can come and live with me because I always thought you were a cracker. So win-win. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.